Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We are one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. We will make America... Great again. Welcome to Team Trump Online. I'm CNN Washington correspondent Ryan Nobles in for David Chalian, and this is the Daily DC. That was the introduction to what the Trump campaign has dubbed Team Trump Online. It's a nightly live stream broadcast that has really become a hit with the president's followers and an essential part of the campaign's digital strategy, all with, at least at this point, not one appearance from the president himself. With the president's signature campaign rallies on ice for now due to the coronavirus, his campaign views these nightly conspiracy-filled vent sessions as a key way to bring his message to his base. So joining me now to break down Team Trump Online is one of our fantastic 2020 campaign embeds who's recently been assigned to the Trump campaign. He's my partner covering the Trump campaign for CNN, and that is DJ Judd. DJ, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ryan. All right, so let's talk about Trump TV. And you've been tuning into these Trump team online broadcasts now for about two and a half weeks. So just start by walking our listeners through what this concept is and and what a typical episode normally looks like. Well, it really is sort of the answer to the question, what does a Trump rally look like without President Trump or without the rally itself? It's these live streamed. They usually run about a half hour to 45 minutes events, and they're hosted by members of the Trump campaign or people in the Trump orbit. And it's just this opportunity to get the Trump campaign's message directly to their base at a time of a pandemic. So typically, the president's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, is one of the recurring hosts. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Team Trump Online. I'm Laura Trump, and tonight we are so excited to be And she tends to interview different voices from Trump world, ranging from right-wing commentators to prominent conservative politicians. Joining me is an actor and a conservative commentator, Stephen Baldwin. Joining me is the United States Senator from the great state of South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. Governor of Arkansas and former presidential candidate, Mike Huckabee. Governor Huckabee, Even people like back. baseball legend and New York Mets Hall of Famer Daryl Strawberry have made appearances. I played Major League Baseball for 17 years. Stop listening to the fake news. I played around it. I know fake news. They only talk about bad things, believe me. And the one message that unites all of these people is sort of that they are very big fans of Donald Trump and they are eager to deliver his message to the American people directly. Yeah, it's really fascinating, the big names that they get to participate in this. Uh, We're going to talk later about Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader. He's not one to do television interviews on a regular basis. You mentioned big stars, Stephen Baldwin, Daryl Strawberry, and, you know, Ted Cruz, Tom Tillis, senators that have joined across the board. But, DJ, just how successful is this? We know that Donald Trump can draw a big crowd basically anywhere. Are there a lot of people watching this online broadcast? So we take this with a grain of salt because— 
were relying on data from the Trump campaign. But last week, Lara Trump told reporters on a call that each broadcast draws one million unique viewers and that over all of their broadcasts, they've managed to draw a total of eight million unique viewers. So that's a pretty sizable crowd size, certainly more than they'd receive at any given Trump rally. It's pretty far-reaching, and it's managed to incite the base quite a bit. And what is it like watching one of these? Is it like you're watching a TV show, or is it like you're kind of, you know, jumping in on a Zoom call that you aren't actually a part of? The whole idea behind this is it's a very slick, very professionally produced broadcast that you're receiving. The Trump campaign has boasted about the strength of their digital operation. Brad Parscale, in fact, the Trump campaign manager, was formerly the digital director for President Trump's campaign in 2016. And it shows. It's a very professional operation. It looks like it's been like pre-produced, pre-scripted. It's very well done. And as a result, it doesn't look like a Zoom call. It doesn't look like sort of this waiting to connect and buffering thing that you may see with some other campaign events. It is a finely tuned product that they are getting direct to voters. Yeah, I think what's also interesting about it is obviously they have very professional looking graphics. They also have little messages that will pop up during the broadcast with a little chime, a notification, if you will, that will tell you to download their app or to donate to the campaign or to earn points uh, in their app system to win a pint glass or something along those lines. It is all very well produced and noticeably different, I should say, DJ, than what we've seen from Vice President Biden. Yeah, I mean, it is its own unique universe online. Like you said, there's prompts to the Trump app. There's opportunities to sign up for text alerts, opportunities to volunteer, opportunities to donate. This is a complete online ecosystem that the Trump campaign has built, and it is fully functional and fully ready to go by the time that we see it. So this is not a work in progress. This is a work completed and ready to go. On the other hand, the Biden campaign has sort of struggled to get their digital operation off the ground. They've sort of drawn criticism for being a little scrappier and a little less prepared for the pandemic. And that's understandable, only because nobody was expecting to sort of see the campaign trail at the state that it is right now. But the Trump campaign was prepared for this, and it really shows in these Team Trump online broadcasts. In fact, DJ, let's give one example of kind of the the issues and kind of the problems the Biden campaign has had as they attempt to ramp up their digital operation. This crisis is really so much about our society, including just how critical it is to have competence in government. And you can tell that they have, you know, some background noise there. There's some feedback with their broadcast. We've seen Vice President Biden and his picture get digitized during some of their virtual campaign events. The other thing they've run into is Biden not even knowing if he was live on the air. And what's interesting is that the Trump campaign has seized on all of this. Every opportunity, even how minute it may be of an issue with a Biden online broadcast, they amplify in a big way as a way to demonstrate from their point of view that Biden is having issues and may not be up to the job of president. may not necessarily be a fair attack, but when you have an operation like the Trump campaign has, there's a pretty stark difference here. And it seems, DJ, that they're using that to their advantage. Well, they're just prepared for any sort of perceived sign of weakness that the Biden campaign has. You know, any time that the Biden campaign is hosting an event, for example, with a Democratic surrogate, you can be prepared that the Trump campaign will be sending out opposition on that surrogate 30 minutes before the event launches. Last week, they held events with Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, with Beto O'Rourke, with Stacey Abrams. And sure enough, 30 minutes before those events started, in reporters' inboxes were detailed oppo files from the Trump campaign on what those candidates had said about any number of issues that may show sort of hypocrisy or any sort of 
backtracking. So the Trump campaign is prepared for any number of circumstances for the Biden campaign. So they are, I would say, one step ahead in every way on their digital operation. And it's very evident. Yeah. And, and the advantage that they perhaps had by not having to run a competitive primary and instead awaiting to prepare for whoever the Democratic nominee was going to be. And it just so happened that that Democratic nominee emerged in the midst of a pandemic that allowed them to really unleash this massive digital operation. Now, DJ, you know, it seems as though when you watch these broadcasts that they're kind of preaching to the choir. These are people that have already signed up for Donald Trump to get another four years in office. But we do see signs in these digital broadcasts about them reaching out to constituencies that we don't traditionally associate with the president. How are they going about doing that? Well, they have been using live streams to sort of try and build coalitions and network with people during social distancing, in particular to try and expand their reach. Buenas noches, and welcome to our very first Latinos for Trump online town hall. Another Empower Hour. This is hosted by the Women for Trump. Welcome to the Veterans for Trump online battle. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Faith in America, Black Voices for Trump online broadcast. And the idea there is to sort of allow buy-in for each of these communities. So if you may not be able to volunteer for the campaign in person at a time like this, you can network with people who maybe you have the same interests with and do digital campaigning or digital canvassing with, um, all because you've tuned into the same Trump online broadcast. It's interesting because President Trump's favorite media outlet before the launch of Team Trump online broadcast was probably Fox News, but he seems to be even getting a little frustrated with at least certain members of the Fox News universe. He tweeted the other day about their reaction to him taking hydroxychloroquine by saying, quote, Fox News is no longer the same. We missed the great Roger Ailes. You have more anti-Trump people by far than ever before. And said he's looking for a new outlet. Well, it looks, DJ, that they've established that new outlet. Is this perhaps what we could see in a post-Trump presidency where he turns the Team Trump online broadcasts, which are right now a campaign function, into Trump TV or something along those lines? You know, it's still a little too early to tell, honestly, but it sure has the groundwork for being one. I mean, you see segments hosted by former cable news host Kimberly Guilfoyle. Lara Trump has a background in TV. There's certainly the means to start a sort of online TV network, and it is produced and presented as one, which will excuse some people from believing that what they're seeing is actual legitimate news and not just campaign broadcasts. But I think for now, it's still in the campaign phase, although it certainly has the bandwidth and the ability to become something more should the president and his allies decide that they want it to be so. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back more with DJ Judd and the Trump team online broadcast, you're listening to The Daily DC. And we're back with DJ Judd campaign embed covering the Donald Trump campaign for CNN. It's interesting, DJ, because when you started on The Beat, we talked about how we were going to cover these online broadcasts. And in the beginning, we had a sense that there wasn't a whole lot of news that was being made, that for the most part, it was just campaign talking points being regurgitated. Not that there isn't some need for that from a campaign perspective, but... It seems, though, since we had that conversation, that we're finding more and more examples of actual news coming out of these events. And there was an episode recently, which we've already talked about, where Lara Trump interviewed Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. I'm Lara Trump, and tonight we are so excited to be joined by our very special guest, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Welcome to Team Trump Online. And McConnell went right after President Obama, didn't he, DJ? 
That's right, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't exactly do a lot of TV interviews. So when he joined Lara Trump to slam President Obama for his criticism of the Trump administration's coronavirus response, it was big news. But I think it's a little bit classless, frankly, to uh, critique an administration that comes after you. Now, this is just one part of the latest chapter in President Trump's sort of obsession with President Obama. He did make another claim about President Obama that actually McConnell himself has come back to say wasn't true. Tell us about that. That's right. And this is just a good example of how these Team Trump online broadcasts are just fact-check-free zones, um, not a regular news interview. So take a listen to what Majority Leader Mitch McConnell claimed. They claim pandemics only happen once every 100 years, but what if that's no longer true? We want, right. we want to be early ready for the next one, because clearly uh, the Obama administration did not leave to this administration any kind of game plan for something like this. Now, that's a claim that's demonstrably not true. As McConnell later admitted in an interview with Fox News' Brett Baer, the Obama administration left a 69-page playbook. But he wasn't fact-checked on the broadcast, and it took him four days to recant that claim. So that was a claim that lived on the Internet and sort of circled around Trump circles for a very long time until it was actually checked. Yeah, and then one thing that really struck me in that interview, DJ, was that he actually blamed Democrats for not wanting to reopen the country. Tell us about that. Exactly. Mitch McConnell echoed a claim that the president has been making lately, which is that Democrats don't want to reopen the country. Why do Democrats insist on keeping people out of work, holding them hostage over ridiculous demands? You know, I don't know what it is, but I think you're right. If you look at the rhetoric, the Democrats seem to actually prefer keeping people locked up at home. Yep. You know, DJ, when I heard Mitch McConnell say that, it kind of struck me a little bit because the message coming from the administration and our leaders in government, including people like Mitch McConnell, when they're not on broadcasts like Team Trump Online, is that we're all in this together. We're trying to find a way through it, that we've all got to take these steps which are uncomfortable, but to protect the country. So it's a little fascinating to a certain extent that when they're talking to an audience that they believe is kind of coming at this from a specific viewpoint that they would peddle, which is essentially a conspiracy theory, that Democrats are purposely keeping the country closed or delaying openings just to hurt President Trump's reelection chances. And McConnell, to a certain extent in that uh, soundbite, hinted at it. A couple days later, Lara Trump just came out and said it. And I think, to your point, the Democrats would like to keep things shut down, oddly enough, probably until, I don't know, November 4th, 2020, maybe the day after the election. So, I mean, that's a, a pretty startling <laughs> claim and one that doesn't really meet with the facts when you consider that all 50 states are in some form or fashion opening or starting the process of reopening. Many of them Republican states, many of them Democratic states with Democratic and Republican governors. But DJ, I guess, and this can kind of be how we sum up the conversation, this is an example of the message that they are sending to a very specific part of their base that they need to come out and vote in November. Well, the idea that something that they say on a Team Trump online broadcast has to comport with facts isn't the case. I mean, frankly, there's no one fact-checking any of these people. So this is not a news interview. As much as it may look like a news interview, as much as it may be packaged and delivered like it's supposed to look like a news interview, this is just the campaign giving their message directly to supporters, knowing that it's a safe space, knowing that they won't be challenged on it. And that's why you see things like that happening. So I think you can expect more of the same leading up to the election. And for people who sort of grow accustomed to going to Team Trump online broadcasts and consuming them, I think that they will start 
sort of living in an echo chamber where they're going to consume things that reinforce what they already believe, and then they'll hear it again. So, DJ, just to wrap up here, uh, you're someone who serves as a campaign embed. For our listeners that don't know what that is, that means that you basically are on the campaign trail every single day. You were based in Iowa and then followed the Pete Buttigieg campaign before it ended. How different is this from being at a rally every single day with a lot of people around, being able to talk to voters, being able to interact with the candidates themselves versus watching these online broadcasts, which you're doing just like the you know million or so other people that are watching them? It has to be a different experience. Well, yeah, the thing about being on the campaign trail is, on the one hand, you do sort of get into the echo chamber of whatever candidate you're following just because you hear them every day in and out and you you grow to know their stump speech and their message like the back of your hand. The difference here is I don't get to go and, you know, eat at a local restaurant or talk to voters after. I don't get to sort of see what's going in and what's going out. I'm just in my room every night at 8 p.m. watching these Team Trump online broadcasts. And so you sort of do only hear this. Um, and you need to remind yourself that there are other things that voters are consuming, hopefully, and that they're sort of living their lives in between these Team Trump online broadcasts. But we are sort of restricted as campaign trail reporters by this pandemic, and we're not able to necessarily get in contact with them the same way that we might have before. So it's a tricky wicket because we don't necessarily know what's happening on the ground. This is sort of our, we know what they're sending to voters on the ground, but we don't necessarily know if people are believing this, if people are, you know, tuning into this religiously and have become to see this as their only source of news. It's tough to see what Team Trump online broadcasts will mean for people. And I don't think that we'll get to see unless we sort of get to get out on the trail and get to go to these Trump rallies again, because it's going to be a while before we really sort of get any sort of normalcy on campaign trail reporting. And this is a, a brave new world. You know, it's unprecedented what we're looking at right now. And I think it's going to take months for us to really understand what the ramifications are. Yeah, I think you encapsulated that very well. And we should say, you know, not getting a sense of how uh, voters are responding to this message. The same can be said for the Biden campaign as well. We have no idea how voters are responding to the way that he has handled the virtual campaign world. It is a, a, a huge challenge for us as campaign reporters, but it is part of our job. And it's one of the many things that we're working on here. And we know that the Trump campaign wants to get back out on the trail. I know we have reporting, you know, I've talked to many RNC and Trump campaign officials. They have a very much a, a a desire to get President Trump back out there. So perhaps we'll be talking to voters a little bit sooner rather than later. All right, DJ Judd, thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, do so by using the hashtag TheDailyDC. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.